Hello everyone and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In this series, we have been studying the book of Isaiah from a mimetic perspective. The first 39 chapters warn pre-exilic Israel of a judgment coming upon their corrupt leaders. Chapters 40 through to 55 then address Israel in exile, offering encouragement and the promise for future restoration. In the last episode, we began considering chapters 56 and onwards, which many scholars believe is addressed to post-exilic Israel. These people have returned to Canaan to rebuild their nation, but alas, the injustice continues. Isaiah urges the people to forsake their mimetic idols and return to the Lord, that they might all experience his justice and salvation. Reading on now from chapter 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingertips with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly, no one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch out as eggs, they weave the spider's webs. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing, men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, desolation and destruction are their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities transgressing and denying the Lord and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and righteousness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it and it displeased him. And there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render payment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. 
Isaiah denies that the Lord abandoned Israel or was unwilling to save them from their plight, but claims that their sins have pushed God away. Remember, as the personification of mimetic desire, his empowerment means freedom from mimetic idols which drive us into poverty and destruction. Forsaking the Lord, the Israelites have become seduced and blinded by their mimetic idols as they grope around, no longer able to discern good from evil. In their blindness, mimetic desire takes the wheel and leads people further and further into depravity. Stopping at nothing to apprehend their desired objects, the Israelites hatch evil schemes, forsake justice and honesty, and stain their own hands with each other's blood. As mimetic desire generates excessive rivalry, the scapegoat mechanism is activated and the community search for a scapegoat to blame for their crisis. As the people attempt to blame the Lord, Isaiah's oracle refutes this allegation by revealing the true cause behind Israel's suffering, their own sinful desires. Although they have forsaken the Lord and repelled him with their sins, God determines to save Israel. The Lord arms himself with armor of mimetic violence, a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, and clothes himself with zeal and vengeance. These items portray the Lord as a formidable warrior, ready to wield mimetic violence to achieve Israel's salvation. The Lord will unleash his violence upon his enemies as he mirrors their violence back upon their own heads. Rather than being controlled by mimetic rivalry and violence, like Israel, whose mimetic idols enslave and destroy them, the Lord controls and wields mimetic violence as a lethal weapon against his adversaries. Reading on now from chapter 59, verse 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, for this time forth and forevermore. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Shiva will come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Neboeth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are those that fly like a cloud, and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful." Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favour I have had mercy upon you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall never be shut. 
that people may bring to you their wealth of the nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflict you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet, and they shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of the nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Saviour, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your wall salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall be righteous, they shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. At least one shall become a clan, and the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. As Isaiah preaches his message, he illuminates the darkness, empowering the people blinded by mimetic blindness to forsake their idols and return to the Lord. When the people awake from their mimetic slumber, they present a positive example for the Hebrew diaspora and the other nations, who now flock to Israel, bringing with them great wealth. Again, the Lord is depicted as a welcoming God. Rather than defiling his habitation, these foreigners beautify his house as they strengthen and enrich Israel. That said, the oracle also employs the tropes of military success as Israel's former enemies become subservient to them. Israel's gates are always open to allow a steady stream of riches to perpetually flow into the city from subservient vassals. Precious metals of gold and silver replace the less costly items of bronze and iron. Nations that refuse to submit and pay tribute to Israel will be destroyed by mimetic violence. In another echo of the Exodus narrative, the Lord replaces Israel's Egyptian taskmasters with peace and righteousness. In other words, Israel are ruled by their mimetic idols, but the Lord will defeat these taskmasters, allowing the people to experience prosperity in their liberation. Once all mimetic idols have been vanquished, violence will be purged from the land as Israel become numerous. The oracle opens with the prophets speaking the Lord's light into the thick darkness of mimetic violence which covers the earth. This light becomes so powerful that the people no longer rely upon the sun or the moon to illuminate the day and night. By mixing the concepts of literal and figurative light, Isaiah emphasizes the complete dissolution of mimetic desire and rivalry within Israel. Once 
bounded and blind by their mimetic idols, the people can now see clearly as their lives are illuminated by the Lord's revelation. As we read on from chapter 61 verse 1, we see the same message reiterated. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God, you shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast." Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Isaiah confirms that the Lord has supernaturally appointed and empowered him to preach his message of liberation. Although the image of prisoners replaces that of blind people, the message remains essentially the same. Israel will go from rags to riches as their fortunes are reversed. In their once arid wilderness, prosperity will sprout as Israel's shame is transformed into honor and joy. What was once destroyed will be rebuilt as Israel is garnered with glorious robes and precious jewels. Again, foreign peoples will serve Israel as the Israelites feast upon their riches. Here we see the setting of the Exodus narrative reversed. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites are the shepherds and they look after livestock while the Egyptians are farmers who despise the Egyptian shepherds. Now Isaiah casts a new vision of these foreigners being Israel's shepherds who are despised and marginalized while the Israelites become priests to the Lord their God. In other words, the people of the nations will do all the nitty-gritty jobs, but Israel, the whole nation, all these Israelites will be seen as a holy, special class who in particular are connected to God and connect these other people to God. In a political sense, Israel will no longer be oppressed as they rise to global dominance over their enemies. 
Even this idea is mimetic. Isaiah looks at the great empires and presents a vision of a restored Israel cast in that image. This vision presents riches, power, and honor of successful empires as an object worthy of the whole nation's desire. Isaiah is really challenging the Israelites to forsake their personal mimetic idols to rally around the commonly desired object of global supremacy. Only then can Israel move forward, united by a common goal and purpose. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.